Welcome to PS, the Puget Sound podcast, where we're talking with members of our campus community about their Puget Sound experiences. I'm Elena Becker, and my guest today is Megan Finkannon, the Associate Director of Residence Life. Megan and I talk about living on campus in general, living on campus in a pandemic, and all of the thought that our amazing Residence Life staff puts into the student experience. Today, as always, the Puget Sound podcast is recorded and produced right here in Tacoma by Moonyard Studio. Here's Megan. Megan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Glad to have you. I want to start by asking you to just describe to folks listening, what is your job? People are familiar with your job title, but what does that actually mean about what you do every day when you go to work? All right. Great question. I was hoping you could tell me, but I will do. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, yeah. I, okay. So I'm the Associate Director of Residence Life. And I I guess if I were to explain that, I would say that residence, my job in Residence Life has like two parts. So on one end is like the business end. Like we are an office. We are an organization that needs management. And so I would say about half of my job is leading a department. Um putting together meeting agendas, um, leading department meetings, setting goals, uh, making sure we have assessment, um, right, for the things that we do. I supervise um, all of our professional live-in staff, so the RDs. Um, I supervise them. And so a lot of time and effort goes into organizational management, like as a business, right? And I would say the other half of my job is education. And so, so much of what we do in residence life, I I mean, everything that like we produce is education. So if you think about the RA job, the RCC job, the GHC job, um, all of our student leaders are, did you say something? Well, I was just going to ask you to say what all those acronyms are for folks. You're great. So, you know, our, our main product is, is education, right? And so we have resident assistants. Those are, you know, live-in students in first-year areas. We have RCCs. Those are resident community coordinators. Those are um, basically RAs in upper division areas. We recognize that if you're a sophomore, junior, or senior, you have different needs. And so we have a different name for those student leaders that end up doing that work. And then we have Greek housing coordinators. Um, which are kind of liaisons between residence life and their Greek house. And so th- everything that they do is education-based. And so we we follow a residential curriculum. So we literally write like lesson plans. Um, the professional staff do based on theory, um, based on what's going on in higher ed, what we're learning is important for students. Um, and so a lot of my job is managing that or managing the people who are really good at that. And um, I hire and train both professional and student staff. And so that's a huge component of what I do is making sure we have the staff we need. And then once they're here, do they know what they need to know um, to be successful in the job and to make a good experience for our students? I want to tease out right away something that you just said, which is the whole idea of lesson planning from residence life. The first time I ever heard that, it like really knocked me flat on my back. I understood that you all were good at your jobs, but I had not ever thought about residence life from a teaching perspective as much as from a 
the organizational perspective that you first said, right? Like people have to be assigned to their rooms. They have to be assigned roommates. There has to be a process for like telling you to be quiet if you're being loud at midnight. (laughs) But I had not really thought about it in like a learning and personal development lens. And I think that's so important. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how taking that lens to this work makes it different than if you just think about it only from the nuts and bolts perspective. I'm so glad you asked that question because that is part of the reason I came to Puget Sound. Um, so when I was, before I came to Puget Sound, I, you know, I was job searching nationally and I was interested specifically in a residence life program that followed a curriculum. So residence life departments across the nation in general, either follow a programmatic model or a residential curriculum. A programmatic model is, is great. It's the idea that students um, in college need programs and activities. They need events going on um, that will pull them to campus. They'll have a sense of belonging um, and they will belong. A residential curriculum says it's a little more complicated than that. Simply having an event doesn't make a student belong. It's the intentionality behind when we do that program, why we did that program, we articulate clear goals, um, and then we assess whether we met those goals. And so a residential curriculum is saying, we're going to develop an experience for a first year student, for example, for you, it's going to be designed, it's gonna be based on research on what we know happens in the first two weeks of school. Then the next two weeks of school, you know, we take anecdotal data from the previous year, we take research and we write lesson plans that are like, okay, we think students are gonna be going through this at this time. Um, Let's be really intentional about responding to that. So it's kind of a proactive model as opposed to a reactive model. And so I, that, that's what drew me to Puget Sound and my opportunity to get to like contribute to that and leave my mark. And this is sort of an unfair question to ask you, given the position that you are coming at this from. I'm like the queen of unfair questions. But do you have any sense of from a student perspective, you know, it would a student going through the residential experience at Puget Sound be able to tell? Like, how does that attitude manifest for a student in the way that they'll have those experiences, because I, I both presume and actually I know that, you know, an RA, a student leader is not going to walk up to one of their residents for six weeks into the semester and say, hey, our data tells us that you should be having a hard time right about now. Like <laughs> the glow has worn off. You know, is that sort of true? Mostly true? Very true? Right. So from a student perspective, what, what does that look like? I I don't know if a student would know how intentional we're being. I think what a student might experience is, huh, that was great timing. (laughs) They might notice that. And and what I would say is it's not coincidence. I do, I do dream of a time in which, you know, when a student moves in on their first day of school, um, you know, they come into the residence halls and we have, you know, waiting for you a brochure of what you'll experience and what you learn from us here in residence life um, and, and giving a student an idea of what to look forward to. Um, some of it is predictable, though. So most most of our students living on campus know about um, what we call logger chats. Um, once a month, your RA is going to knock on your door and say, I, I want to chat. And it'll it'll feel like a really organic conversation. Um, and But what we tell student leaders leading up to, depending on the timing of that meeting, is some helpful things to talk about or some helpful questions to ask. 
Um, so, but students know logger chats. They might not know that there was a lesson plan for that logger chat, but so much of, of what a logger chat, for example, looks like is tailored to a specific RA. So, you know, yeah, we write a lesson plan that has specific suggestions and, you know, good questions to ask right now, but how that looks depends entirely on the personality of the student leader that you're, that's talking, right? Like I'm a super, I would probably have been a really laid back RA um, and, and that's just kind of how I think I would have, would have approached my job. But I don't know what kind of RA you would have been and how, how that question, how you would have asked that question. So I guess it's just really important also to note that like, I don't know, the curriculum is really flexible too to the individual student, but also to the RA and how they want to be in this role. And I think so, so much of what they do is getting really creative with that. You know, one thing that you know, and that regular listeners of the podcast know about me is that because I work in the Office of Admission at Puget Sound, I oftentimes have my finger on the pulse of what a prospective student or their family is wondering about or assuming or thinks about maybe Puget Sound, but maybe college writ large. And one of the things that I um, sort of learned by osmosis over the period of a couple of years of doing this job and talking about the residence life experience is for many people coming out of high school, when they hear student leader or when they think like, um, you know, this is sort of a student elevated to be a, a leader and a mentor for their peers, there's a very particular model that people assume. And often what it is, is like student government president, pom-pom in one hand, megaphone in the other, like wearing the Puget Sound t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And my experience, both as a student and as a professional observer now of residence life, not to like sound creepy, as a professional <laughs> observer of your work, um, is that you all are really intentional in, as you said, not just facilitating RAs and student leaders doing that work in a way that fits their personality, but in hiring people with a range of personalities. So Mm -hmm. if you as a first-year student are not somebody who responds well to the pom-pom megaphone student leader model, you'll have another option and another resource available to you. Yeah, when you said that, I I think it's... um... At the beginning of Pitch Perfect, I'm pretty sure an RA like runs by or an orientation leader or something and is like super perky. And yeah, definitely the the stereotype of what a student leader is. Um, what's interesting is you just like, it, it, you can't get that at Puget Sound. I feel like the Puget Sound student, is, this place, this, these students are so unique and quirky and fun. Um we couldn't possibly fit any stereotypes about um, residence life leaders, but yeah, we're really intentional when we're hiring. Um, you know, we we actually just wrapped up our uh, hiring for next year. I'm very excited about that. Um, but we say we hire diverse staffs, and we mean that in a lot of different ways. But we we know that not every student is super talkative. Not every student likes the like they're all the same thing. So we really do try to recruit and hire students who have a ton of different interests. If you don't, you know, connect with your RA, that's totally fine. You don't, it's not a requirement. Um, But what we really hope is that if you are looking for connection, you will find some, you will see a bit of yourself in someone else. Mm -hmm. Having just heard you say and agreeing with the statement that you can't make a generalization about Puget Sound students, can you say some things that are true about next year's group of RAs in general? If someone listening to this is thinking, I'm coming to Puget Sound, or I think I want to come to Puget Sound, but I'm still trying to put the final pieces in place of what that looks like. 
what can they expect out of their RA or that experience in their first year and right out of the gate? I think the group of students that we hired for next year are passionate about being a part of Puget Sound. And more than any other year that I've been a part of recruitment, I can say that. And I think it's because we we typically hire a, a lot of um, current first-time students, right, that are about to be sophomores. And the students we just hired, they got, they, we, we almost teased them with the Puget Sound experience. The students who are on campus right now, are they're on campus, they're getting a part of what it means to be at Puget Sound, but it's not the full experience. We, you know, we're not gathering in large groups. We can't do some of the things um, that we would normally do because, uh, you know, the state of Washington's, you know, restrictions on COVID. And so the group of students we hired are so excited to be a part of this campus, to belong here and to get that experience. I think that's going to be contagious. I think next year is going to be a ton of fun and it's going to be a lot of people um, looking to, to figure out what it means to be here. And I'm excited to get to build that experience, especially given everything that's happened over the past year. How do Theme Row, Ka'ohana Meike Aloha's annual luau, and the roar of a chainsaw in Baker Stadium connect? Hi, I'm Mike Rodersman, Associate Director of Admission and a Puget Sound alum from the class of 1999. And all three of these things that I listed are Puget Sound traditions that date back to even before I was in school. To learn more about traditions and special events, head to pugetsound.edu slash stories. Now back to P.S., the Puget Sound Podcast. So I mentioned earlier that one of the truths of my job is I notice trends and patterns in the questions I'm being asked and the things people want to talk about. Um, And one thing that people have really, for obvious reasons, wanted to talk about this year, both in my job and um, outside my job in my personal life, is when's this pandemic going to be over and what's it going to look like as we exit it? And I think nowhere is that more clear than for students and families who are thinking about what does my life at college look like? And really trying to visualize what that will look and feel like. So we know from the administration and from the president that the plan is to be in person in the fall with all the usual pandemic caveats that anything could happen. But given that plan and that directive, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what's your best guess about what living on campus will be like for a first year student this fall? I'll, I'll explain what I mean second. Um, but what I imagine for those of us who have seen campus before the pandemic and now, I would say it's not going to look like there is no pandemic, but it's not going to be as restrictive as it is right now. And I guess what I mean by that is I think if the current rate of vaccinations go the way that they're going, I think fall semester, we're going to still be in masks. I think there's going to be some kind of testing protocol. I think there might be some kind of quarantine when students arrive on campus just to make sure we're healthy before we get going with classes and in-person events. But I think things are going to look more normal. Um, I think vaccine or not, again, we're, we're going to be in masks because there's still not enough evidence out there, you know, 
what that looks like, but I think we might start seeing events again. And that's really exciting. I think we're going to have way more in-person classes. Um, I really do see us getting much more close to a, a normal semester. And can you throw out some other examples for folks who have not been on a college campus? Because one of the hard things I've been learning this year that's hard for people trying to visualize what does my college life look like in pandemic It's one thing to visualize that if you're now a junior at Puget Sound and you have been on campus and know kind of what the baseline is than if you're a high school senior. So like what, you know, did a a res life event, you mentioned events earlier, look like pre-pandemic? What does it look like on campus now? How do you think that might evolve into the fall? Yeah, I would, I think the best example is one of our our restrictions right now is, um, you can only have one other person in your room besides your roommate. And that person has to live in your building. At a time, Megan, or like ever, you pick one other person? At a time. At a time. Got it. At a time. So, yeah, you can have, you know, if you live in my building, you can come in my room, but only one person, right? And so that really limits how socialization is happening and how people are getting to know each other and make friends. I Again, depending on, you know, where, where this goes, but I don't think it's going to be like that in fall. I think you're going to be able to have more guests in your room. Um, events before, I mean, we would, um, North Quad, a beautiful area on campus, we would pretty often have uh, concerts out there or cookouts. Um, we can't really do that right now because food needs to be packaged and handed out by someone in gloves and we have to have lines where people are six feet apart. You know, so things are, I, that's an example of what it's like right now. I think next semester we're going to, we're going to have a cookout and we're all going to wear our masks and, and then we're going to take them off while we eat. And I, I think there's just going to be a little bit more wiggle room um, to just be in community with one another. One of the things I've been thinking about a lot just for myself, and you should say if you think this is different or think it looks different in a res life context, but something I'm really looking forward to is um, the idea that, you know, even if even if things didn't change as much as you just said they think they would, the ability to go through the world and feel a lot more comfortable about the things you are doing, I think will be huge for me. And I imagine that would be true for even just the act of living in a dorm, right? To know that it's X degrees more comfortable or more of a sure thing to even have that one other person in your room or go down the hall and knock on somebody's door. That just feels exciting. Mm -hmm. No, it does. I'm, I'm already, yeah. I just absolutely agree with what you just said. I want to um, also ask you a little bit about the housing process. So this is another one of those questions that comes up all the time. Um, So first of all, well, maybe I'll just do some framing of like the most frequently asked question, which is Puget Sound has a two-year on-campus residency requirement. That first year often looks kind of like what you visualize when you think college dorm, college residence hall, um, but I'll say nicer. Like I get a lot of people who are worried about, you know, they know somebody who went to college and had like four people packed in a two person room. That's not something that we do. We can all say thank you to Megan for that. (laughs) But anytime we're going to have more than two people in a room, it's a room that's been sized for that number of people. And we've adjusted the square footage accordingly. Um, And then after your first year, there are a bunch of other options you can choose that count as living on campus. So Megan earlier mentioned some of those upper class options that have RCCs associated with them or that are maybe single rooms with like a Mm -hmm. shared kitchen. Um, Can you talk just a little bit about for that first year, like before we even get to second year options, 
how do you, how do you end up in a dorm? How do you get a roommate? Like how do, what are the nuts and bolts? How does that happen? Yeah. You, well, you start off by filling out your housing application uh, by June 1st, if you can. Um, and the housing application asks, I believe it's like six or nine questions. And we use your answers to those questions and we match you up with people who answered similarly. So for example, there's a question on there about, are you a night owl or a morning, morning bird, early bird? Um, and we're not going to put people who, well, we're going to avoid putting people who avoid, who answer oppositely um, together, right? So if you both like to stay up late, fantastic. Um, uh, we ask if you're a smoker or a non-smoker, um, because those are actually some of the more common um, roommate issues that we end up having. So we know that we know a little bit about compatibility there we also ask questions like uh do you do you party a lot and that's why we ask you to be honest if you do or don't just be honest don't be your ideal self be like your actual self um <laughs> and we'll we'll match you with someone um that we feel that is similar to you um if you end up meeting someone through a facebook group or something you can always email us and request to be together and we'll we'll make sure you're together um but really we just take a look at that the answers to those housing application questions pair folks up and then um place you in the halls most of the halls in first year areas are pretty similar there's not huge differences between any of our buildings um you mentioned um you know we don't pack a ton of people in a tiny room i would say it's really Having worked at like three different institutions, we have really roomy rooms. Um, I've been, I would be pleased um, at how large our rooms are. So I think just lamps and move some room to move around. But yeah, we really just look at the housing application. So that's why we ask you to fill it out as the student um, and just be as honest as possible. And do most people, like what's kind of the split on people who have met somebody in a Facebook group or know someone from high school and are requesting a person as their roommate versus people who are just filling out the form and getting matched? I think most people, most of our roommate matches are random matches um, and we're really successful. We only have a handful of, you know, room moves throughout the year. It's expected um, that those things happen. It's totally normal. Um, but yeah, I would say like 90% of our roommate matches are random. We don't get a lot of requests um, for specific folks. One of the things I was thinking about earlier when you mentioned thinking about residence life as teaching and as pedagogy is that one of the things I've heard you talk about before in sort of public forums, that's a, a big part of that is thinking about conflict resolution and sort of casual daily conflict resolution. And I think about that every time someone asks me like, what if I hate my roommate? Right? Like, what if I get paired with someone who just cannot keep her shoes on her side of the room and I like, and it's driving me nuts. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? And, you know, maybe the sort of different steps of that is the kind of thing that would actually drive me nuts, but I think of as a very solvable <laughs> conflict. Um, and then what kind yeah, of- Yeah, we can't be roommates, I'm sorry. <laughs> are you footloose and fancy free with where you keep your shoes? Well, I am, but my current roommate slash partner um, just politely moves them to the appropriate place. So yeah, if I had my way, my shoes would be anywhere. <laughs> I got to tell you, but then I'll let you actually answer my question. If I felt like I could just move the shoes, that is perhaps a satisfactory resolution to this theoretical roommate conflict. I do it. The issue is when your roommate doesn't want you to touch their stuff and it's on your side. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that's a great example. 
Um, let me talk to you more about that. Um, we, yes, conflict pops up. It happens often. And of course, it's going to happen when you're living with a person that you didn't know previously. And like, oh, I, I'm not good at spatial awareness. I was going to give you like how, how big the room is. Um, but when you're in a confined space together, it's going to pop up. Um, what we do actually is when you first, when a first year student moves in, we have a series of community meetings throughout orientation. So you're going to go to these orientation events, but you're also going to meet with your RA. We actually have roommates fill out a roommate contract, anticipating what are the things that are going to bug you. And so they can kind of talk about it ahead of time. But we talk to students a lot and our REs are trained to do this. The first thing we do when you want me to move my shoes um, <laughs> is, and you come to your RA and you're like, Megan won't move their shoes. The RA is going to say, have you told Megan to move their shoes? And so we find that a lot of times folks just really don't want to be that direct. And really what we tell people is you, you have to, you have to find that like a brave space inside of you to say, here are my boundaries and what are yours? And then I can say, you know what, I'm going to really suck at moving my shoes but here's what we can do instead, right? And so we really do coach our RAs, first of all, this, to send students back to each other, but um, with some ideas. Here are some ideas, here's some things to talk about. Um, but we find that once students start talking, it, it, there's a lot of buildup. So maybe you've been nervous to talk to me this whole time about moving my shoes, um, but I actually really don't care if you tell me to like pick up my own shoes. And so I really, I think just getting people used to talking and being really okay with conflict has been, I think, the key. And it's such a great approach, right? Because that is such a valuable skill. Like to be able to, I use that skill probably every day in my personal life and my professional life. And I think that is something that I think about when I think about the way that the Puget Sound experience maybe sets itself apart a little bit from a generic college experience is that there is all this intentional thought and not just, you know, how do we help you navigate living with a roommate so you guys don't kill each other and feel reasonably content by the end of it, but also how do we think about the way that these are actual learned life skills that you can learn that we can give you that we can be thoughtful about. Exactly. So it is more than just like a roommate conflict. And I think about when we hire RAs and they're on our staff, if they have a suggestion or they don't like a part of their job, instead of being unhappy about it, we try to empower them to say, hey, I don't like doing logger chats. Mm. And then I'm going to say, okay, here's the goal of the logger chat. How else can we meet this goal? And really it's about engaging in conversation, articulating, like identifying your own needs, trying to articulate those and having a real conversation about the heart of the issue. And we, and as a result, we've, in residence life, we've changed some of our practices and policies because students told us they, they didn't like something, right? And it, they were brave and they stepped up and they used some of those skills that we taught them. And one thing that I have found in my life to be true about that is every time you do it, it gets a little easier, right? Every mm -hmm. time you lean into that experience and you think like, okay, I really feel like I'm going to talk to Megan about moving their shoes and then they are going to yell at me and it's always going to be uncomfortable in here forever. And when that does not happen, when you realize, when I realize, oh, 
I was really stressed out about this and I brought it up to Megan and then they were cool with it and it was fine. Mm -hmm. Then the next thing, you know, bringing up, Hey, I'm having a hard time with these longer chats. I'd like to do it differently to your boss while still like kind of another layer of that feels a little more okay. And then eventually when you get to like negotiating your salary in a job search, that feels a little more okay. And it's scaffolds. Exactly. And that's what I think we're really teaching at Puget Sound is fine is how do you advocate for yourself? How do you advocate for a better world? And the more you can practice that in different settings, I mean, that that's what that's what Puget Sound is about in so many ways. I have talked a lot today about the patterns I notice or the questions I pick up on. Are there things that you notice either coming to you from students in their first few weeks on campus or that you wish people knew or wish people were heads up to as they think about what a residential experience at Puget Sound is like? What I think what I've noticed the most um, and what I've appreciated the most about Puget Sound students is how willing they are to engage the Puget Sound experience. And so I was thinking about when I first took my job here three years ago, I had just come from a large um, public university and I found it really hard to get to know my students as a professional staff member. Like I would have to beg them to come talk to me. Here or at your previous? At my previous institution. It's really hard to get any kind of engagement. And at Puget Sound, I feel like I had to like, lock my door to keep students away um, because th- that that curiosity and that like oh you're you're you work here what do you have to say what do you have to teach me what do you have uh, to to bestow upon me and I just so appreciate that about students at Puget Sound and so I just when I'm thinking about you know you coming here or thinking about coming to Puget Sound I'm just like oh when you show up just dive right in and see what everyone has to offer and what this place has to offer because it's led to a lot of like really, really fruitful conversations. And I think the more you come to college with your eyes wide open, the more you're going to learn. Like to just come here, come here ready to experience anything. Megan, we end every episode with the same four questions. The first question is, where is your favorite place on campus? Okay. Um, I hope you don't make fun of me for it, but there's this game um, called Pokemon Go. (laughs) And um, I may or may not play it a lot. And there is a giant sequoia tree on campus um, over on Todd Field. Not the giant sequoia in front of Wheelock. Oh, so there's, there's two. Yeah, well, there's a lot of, of sequoias on campus, um, but um, there's one over on Todd Field, and it's a polka stop, and it doesn't really exist. It exists in a virtual space, but it's in this beautiful wooded area on campus. And when I go there to play my video game on my phone, there's always other faculty, staff, or students playing too. And I've like met people, I've met staff members, I've met students, and like we just get to know each other. And so I know when I walk by that space, even if I'm not playing my game, I like I know they're playing. Um, and so I just love that space. I love kind of the secret knowledge that other people are playing Pokemon Go. <laughs> what are you reading right now? I am reading uh, the Broken Earth series by N.K. Jemison. 
And she is a science fiction, N.K. Jemison's a science fiction author and fantasy author. And she's great at building these like fantastic worlds. And so I'm reading the Broken Earth series right now. Where is the best place to eat in Tacoma? Quickie Two's. <laughs> great. Southern style vegan food in the Hilltop neighborhood. And it's so good. You hear Southern, I will, I'll speak for myself. I heard Southern style vegan and I was like, okay, let's give this a go. But like, it's so good. It's out of this world. I had it um, over the weekend, so. And lastly, Megan, you touched on this earlier and we've sort of been touching on it throughout our whole conversation, but what makes Puget Sound special? It, it's the students. And I know that might, <laughs> I don't want it to sound cliche, but the students here are brilliant. They're critical. They're activists. They're, they're here to engage. I'm, I touched on that earlier and it's, it truly makes a unique environment to work in. Um, and when I ever can interact with a student, it, it makes my day better. Megan Funcannon, thank you for joining me on the Puget Sound podcast. It was so much fun. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks for listening to PS, the Puget Sound podcast. If you're interested in applying to or visiting Puget Sound, you can find out more at pugetsound.edu slash admission. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at UNIV, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. I'm Elena Becker, and we'll see you next time for PS the Puget Sound Podcast.